Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and doing excerpts about the exception. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, enjoy. I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. How's it everyone? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Let's Talk Digital with myself, Audrey Naidu. Happy Women's Month to all the fabulous, amazing and talented women out there. You guys rock. In celebration of Women's Month in South Africa, I will be chatting to some kick-ass or inspiring female digital leaders within the advertising industry in the coming weeks to share their incredible stories with us, their challenges, their victories and their journey to success. The series is brought to you by FutureTech Media, providing next-generation technology solutions. FutureTech understands the challenges women face in this space and are spearheading the charge in empowering women through its future networks by Women for Women Foundation. My first digital leader requires no introduction as she's well-known and certainly earned a position within the top female digital leadership ranks in South Africa. Let's give a warm welcome to Lana Stradum, Executive Head of Digital Content and Social Marketing at Vodacom. Welcome to the podcast, Lana. It's so awesome to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me, Audrey. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Me too, actually. This month, we're celebrating women and digital leaders. So you are absolutely one of them. So Lana, you've been at Vodacom for the last eight years, right? Moving between online self-service channels into digital marketing. Prior to that, you were at F&B. I mean, I know you from APSA days and then before APSA, MTN. So you've got some big brands behind you. Tell us about your leadership journey and some of the obstacles you had to get through to where you are now. Yeah, so the part that that you didn't cover there is I actually started out in an IT business, which was probably one of the toughest starts for anyone's career. Um, It was very much a technical male-dominated environment that required uh, want to learn a whole lot of skills around negotiation and being quite tough, to be honest. Um, and then I moved into the, the brand space um, from an MTN perspective. I was pretty young. Um, I was in my early 30s when I was when I took up a pretty senior job uh, in MTN, a senior manager for, for digital, which at the time, of course, was completely undefined. Digital wasn't actually even a word, to be honest. Um, and in that environment, I really had to learn how to navigate the corporate um, environment, the layers in the business, how to get buy-in, you know, how to negotiate with, with very senior stakeholders. I remember the first big chunk of budget I needed to, to negotiate for was $100 million. This was now in 2003. Um, so I was 33, year old, 33 years old. I was standing in front of MTN Exco trying to convince them to give me 100 million rand, which they did. Uh, and after that, I was quite sort of freaked out by the fact that I now had to make this money work for the business. But it was a good and sort of very productive uh, learning curve for me, um, you know, learning at this at the one side business and how to make, um, you know, digital products work. And on the other side, navigating the technical environment, you know, building very large uh, technical sort of infrastructure. Um, 
at the time we were building several products around content so we were basically defining what digital content would look like um, in the future which we now see sort of in in almost every platform that we use from what i know of you you're always ahead of the curve lana i mean really uh getting 100 million at such a young age from senior executives i mean did you experience any fear during this time you know like fear of failure or you know intimidation yeah, one one does have a little bit of fear. I think mostly for me it was sort of productive fear. I think, you know, if fear disables you, then, then it's a different story. But I think that little bit of nerves around, you know, understanding the, the size of decisions that you're making and the future that it could have, um, you know, is a good fear. Uh, I think when one is completely sort of um, comfortable and not really pushed, I don't think you deliver your best work. I think complacency, sorry, is probably one of the worst things, that, places that one can be. Um, I believe, you know, I've got sort of a, a skill to create a vision for what uh, I want to achieve. And I'm also very good at selling that vision to the people that I work with and the people I work for. So I think that's one of the big skills that one has to master in your journey, um, particularly in your career. When you're selling the vision, um, you become less afraid of the technology and you know what it means from a from an implementation perspective, and more concerned with you know where we, one can end up and what benefits it can have to both your customers and internally to an organisation. Definitely, the way I see fear is face everything and recover, even if you have have a glass of wine. I have glasses of wine often. In fact, I have glasses of whiskey. Yeah. But then I think also there's some important self-care things that maybe we could talk about for a minute. You know, um, I think many of us are working in highly stressful environments. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not no good to anyone. So, you know, I've learned over the years some really good habits. Like I meditate every evening before I go to bed. I do yoga five times a week. Those things have helped me center. Um, so fear never really features for me uh, in any kind of way that, that disables me. Yeah, that's incredibly important because personally, I can resonate with that. I have to have things that calm me after a busy day at work, but taking time off is important. So as women, we cannot be workaholics all the time. I still remember the Lana that used to work day and night at one stage. So I think a lot has changed from then, hey? Well, you know, I think I'm just a certifiable workaholic because I actually love what I do. But I think the downtime, scheduled and proper controlled downtime is absolutely critical. Yeah, definitely. So Lana, in a constantly evolving digital world, where is the industry headed now? Well, as you're saying, it's uh, constantly evolving. So what we know today will definitely be different tomorrow, the year after, and the year after. I think where, where we're going is more and more of an immersive experience. Uh, you know, terms like metaverse and so on has been thrown around. But it is really about creating immersive experiences that add value to people's lives, right? So it's either in entertainment, in a functional uh, sort of context, in a learning context. So I think you know, there's also, of course, the other side of, of digital, which is which is where is a healthy line um, for when you have to experience things in the real world, and that's a big debate that will that will continue um, raging, I guess, I guess, in the in the background. Um, you know, things like data privacy and those kind of things. I think we're all aware of it. You know, how do you create enough 
benefit for a customer that they're willing to share data with you freely and how are you responsible as a brand or a product for protecting that data and only using it to the benefit of that customer. I mean, yeah, you're talking about consent management, you know, making sure that you are compliant, uh, especially when you start to use first party data within any organization. So yeah, I'm totally with you. A lot of organizations have distinct functions within marketing. So you have digital marketing, and then you have traditional marketing, right? How are you closing the gap within your organization and bringing those two together? Yeah, Audrey, this is obviously a, a debate going on in a lot of brands, right? now um my personal belief is you have to be a good marketer before you any other kind of marketer right the fundamentals of marketing is the same regardless of the discipline you're in i think digital marketing became or i know more than i think that digital marketing became a separate discipline purely because of the technical capability and understanding required to work in the space. I think where we're heading really is back to an integrated marketing environment where, you know, every marketer has to be able to understand what's what the best route to market or go-to-market plan is for whatever they are trying to achieve, regardless of the channel. Because digital is an effective channel, right? I think... You know, what's happening currently in my environment is digital marketers are actually moving into integrated roles because they already have the background and the grounding for for the digital marketing space. It's relatively easy for them to transition uh, into into the other um, traditional marketing environments. I think it's a little bit harder the other way around, to be honest. Um, you know, it takes a bit of experience to to understand exactly the complexity around digital marketing specifically so i think that's that's what's happening i think people are understanding that or most marketers are understanding that uh, a successful marketing plan contains a good and kind of thought through balance of all channels and go-to-market routes. I just think about it from there is the execution operational perspective, but behind the scenes, you need to build this engine, you need to build the foundation right, right? The the building blocks in order for you to achieve all those, those um, you know, those targets and KPIs and all of it. So which which brings us into our next part of our conversation. You, you have been instrumental in driving innovation adopting new tools, tech processes within Vodacom in, in the last few years that I've known you. What were some of the hurdles you had to get over? I mean, to name some of the few things you've been doing is marketing automation and now recently with, with CDP and POCing it within Vodacom. So there is the back-end stuff that somebody needs to do, which requires the technical skills. And then there's the front-end uh, campaigning and operational tasks that needs to be done. What's your view on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we were quite uh, brave as, as Vodacom. We insourced all of our um, digital media into the business, mostly motivated by the fact that first body data is sensitive and we wanted full control of that. And secondly, we believed that digital media wasn't well understood from an agency perspective in the sense of being close to the commercial side of the business, the commercial KPIs. Um, we predicted we would have a huge increase in efficiency when we did that, which of course we did. We saw about a 40% increase in efficiency. But in that process, we had to also, of course, uh, build quite a sophisticated tech stack um, to enable exactly what you're talking about, to enable the campaigning to happen. Uh, of course, early in my career, I worked purely in the technical environment. So I think I was just ideally positioned to do that. Um, and I also, 
I had the freedom and the autonomy to decide how we were going to do that. So we had the opportunity to implement a best of breed sort of tech stack, which is also why we saw a lot of the efficiency besides, you know, a better understanding from people that work in the team. But I think that that is a particular function that will probably grow significantly in most businesses over the next few years. I can tell you to find a a, a digital marketing uh, tech person or a tech stack person, marketing tech stack, whichever way you want to describe it, is very difficult. Um, I, it takes me around 12 to 14 months to find someone that I can even train into it. Mm-hmm. So it's. I think it's going to become a massive um, kind of part of the industry, that the, the marketing tech side of it, uh, inside of brands even, not just in vendors. And I think, you know, on top of that, we, we had to find the best digital media and marketing people we could in the industry to make use of this tech stack. And we had, you know, we do a lot of training. And then I think on the, on the, and the guys in the team grow like significantly because of that. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for people also to learn. But besides, uh, besides the, the, the digital marketing side, we also embarked on a massive project to automate marketing across our entire value chain, which of course now meant that we were also dealing with uh, a, a whole user group who weren't necessarily digitally educated or digitally capable uh, in in the sense of how to use platforms. They could use email, basically, <laughs> most of them. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, from a hurdle perspective, it's always about the people. Um, I think we spoke privately about that some time ago. The change management around teaching people new habits, around creating enough confidence, um, you know, on a platform for people to feel that they can comfortably do their daily work was probably the biggest uh, challenge. Um, You know, marketers, particularly traditional marketers, are quite stubborn in the way that they do things. Mm. So I think it was was quite difficult. part of it is to just get the buy-in and create the vision and for people to understand that their jobs will actually become more uh, efficient and easier to do when they when they're using these platforms which i think we're now showing uh, we're showing a lot of efficiency there our last conversation you said you have 500 people using it eh? yeah we now got uh, we've got it now across the business so all of our marketing functions plus our product functions are all using um, the workflows tools that that we've put in and as well as all our agencies. So their work in and out of the agencies are also controlled via this workflow. Yeah, that's that's an incredible case study. Are you hoping to share the case study with the industry soon? Uh, I have uh, once or twice, but yeah. I'll definitely continue to do so as we become more and more mature uh, around this. Um, I think also just contextually to that, to, to understand is, uh, you know, we've, we've had several headcount cuts like many brands with the same with the expectation of outputting the same amount of, of work. So if we weren't automating these processes and these, um, you know, across the ecosystem, we would never have been able to deliver the work that's expected from us. Definitely. Talk to me about CDP. How did you get that approved? <laughs> <laughs> So, so I am I am in a very privileged position that I have, like I said earlier, I've had a lot of autonomy um, and I have control of my own budgets, to be honest. So we we did use um, Adobe Audience Manager before, which was a which is a, probably a, a 
a kind of a less sophisticated version of a CDP, to be honest. Um, so we basically transitioned what we were already doing into the CDP. But of course, there was a lot of uh, selling going on uh, at, at high exco level, just around mm -hmm. the fact that we are pumping now, you know, huge amounts of, of first body data into this platform. So lots of conversation with technology, big data, and then at business level, um, around um, you know managing all of the, this data very responsibly um, and also the technical integration of course um, you, you know is quite a it's quite a project mm. so yeah I think it was just buy-in and then obviously selling the commercial benefits at the at the back end of that um, was very important so you coming from a financial services background and you know that that responsibility was traditionally owned by the CIO office and now marketing is getting involved in data. So from my perspective, I'm finding that there's conflict on who owns the data, why is marketing wanting to get involved without fully understanding that data needs to be a utility for marketers because you are at the front end of customers. And also the fact that we have unstructured data with structured data that's different from just having your CRM data, for example. So how do you integrate all of these different sources of data so that you have a more cohesive view of your customer? You can drive contextualization, personalization, you know, uh, back to customers. For me, I find it a challenge. Um, do you also find the same thing or do you have a different experience? Yeah, I think we've, uh, as a brand, we've been a bit on a journey. Um, democratizing data has been a, one of our big pillars um, over the last three years. Um, and we've been lucky that we've had um, some strong individuals in our big data team that drove this agenda. So it was slightly removed from, from the CIO space, to be honest. Obviously, the technical infrastructure is implemented by them, but the data ownership sits within our big data environment and they were looking for users of the environment of which digital marketing is of course uh, one of the big ones together with um, other direct communication um, channels. So I think we, we overcame that uh, kind of journey by putting you know, data ownership at a business level and not at a technical level. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I can definitely learn from that, Lana. Yeah, it's a journey, though. It's a journey, <laughs> definitely. It's a journey. But you also need to get like advocates for marketing, you know, that want to collaborate on some of these key projects. And and sometimes the bigger your organization, you you know, for yourself, it's difficult to get to the right person at the right time. You know, I I just want to go back to to digital marketing because it's obvious that you have a passion for it. What do you love about what you do? I think it's this, you know, I always say to people, it's this the perfect blend of, of art and science, right? That's digital marketing. It's it's one of the environments where you can fully explore both sides. So the creative side around finding communication solutions, using, um, you know, certain platforms in very innovative ways, that's, that is highly creative. But while at the same time, you are dealing with a, with a very technical sort of infrastructure uh, environment and data so I think for me the passion's always been because it's it sits right in the middle of those two areas and you know my my whole life has basically been shaped around those two you know having maths and art at school for example doing computer science and fine arts at university I've always 
you know, combine those two. So that's why I really love it. And also, obviously, it's got a real business outcome. It's not a, it's not a sort of, oh, we, we, we reached 5,000 people. We can actually see the contribution we make to the business every day. And that's, there's a huge satisfaction in that. I, I will repeat what some of our stakeholders say. It's not the fluffy stuff. Correct. <laughs> there is some fluffy stuff, but there the outcome is very hard. Yeah. <laughs> Less of the fluffy stuff, more yeah. of the science. <laughs> so, so as a leader, what are you known for? Um, you know, when you asked that earlier, I, I had to think a little bit. I think, you know, most people that that's worked with me would have answered that I'm really tough, but I'm also at the same time a really empathetic leader that cares about my people and cares about their development and what's happening in their lives. So I wouldn't say, you know, I think I'm sort of, I'm not definitely not a pushover, but I'm highly empathetic to people that I work with. You do have a reputation in the industry. You do know that, right? I do. I do. (laughs) I've worked very hard to work around (laughs) that reputation. A a good reputation. (laughs) (laughs) I won't won't use the verbatim. (laughs) So, yeah, in terms of, you know, you playing a role in shaping and preparing the next generation of digital natives to come, because that's what they're going to be, um, the future leaders within marketing, what is your role now in terms of mentoring and, you know, supporting this? Yeah, I think, uh, Audrey, you've touched on something that I'm extremely passionate about, Um I think everyone that's that's ever worked again uh, in my team and with me knows that I'm extremely passionate about bringing up young people uh, into a team, right? Um, I think, you know, having the input of of young individuals in a team, number one, is extremely critical. Um, they are in touch with with trends and movements on the ground that, that at 50 plus, there's no way you could be... Um, in touch with but then helping these young people build meaningful careers is probably one of the best contributions we can make in this country right so I take in as many graduates as I can every year and I'm proud to say that almost all of them stay in my team and they they build quite substantial careers from there uh, onwards so so you know three to five years is probably a good span for someone to have enough of a uh, background and a, and a CV to go out and do do great things. Um, I think you know, being I'm very hands-on with these young people. Uh, I share you know both kind of softer emotional kind of skills. I even do a lot of financial training with them, financial management training for their for their own uh, finances, and then obviously the hardcore skills that they require to be a successful digital marketer. Um, is something that that I believe is important. Yeah, I agree with you because we don't have enough mentors in the industry. So it's awesome to hear that you are, you know, using this in your own organization to upskill graduates that come into Vodacom space. So, um, Lana, in closing, you know, what advice would you offer to other female leaders within the digital space? Yeah, I think it's really, really critical to to be very true and authentic to yourself. I think there are environments where, you know, behavior can be sort of manipulated in the sense of 
um, very male-dominated kind of environments. Um, I think female leaders are at their best when they are or give some of their femininity into their jobs. You know, we we have some some skills and capabilities that that I think males struggle with. You know, I mentioned before empathy. I think also, you know, empathy means for your staff, but also for your customers. So I think we have a we have a great view of how customers um, see the world and how they experience us as brands. I also think women are just generally, to be frank and honest, better with anything that's got to do with detail. Um, you know, I think most jobs these days have the visionary leadership side, but we also have some really serious detail that we have to deal with on, you know, finances and reporting and so on. Um, and I think, you know, we are much better at negotiating and, you know, finding solutions because we don't always, you know, want to be right. We want to get input from from different avenues. So I think we're, as females, we're really good at it. So I think that's something we need to, to make use of. That's that's good advice to give to other leaders. And do you have any particular story that really stands out that you want to share from your career? Yeah, like I said to you earlier, there are many. I think the one that stands out for me as being like, because it was so insane, but at the same time, the reward afterwards was so great. Um, at MTN, we, we did one of the first... Uh, implementations of an Africa-wide content platform, and we had to do it for for Africa Cup 2010, which you know, in that at that stage, technology was pretty sort of limited. We we had WAP and SMS and MMS basically, and I was running this project from South Africa, um, basically as the program project manager and the business lead. At some points, I had a French and a Portuguese translator on both sides of my of me translating status and tasks as we as we went, but we implemented the entire project end to end in five weeks, um, and we, we you know we generated a significant amount of revenue for for MTN from from that implementation, but I think it was just the craziness of doing something that no one's ever done before. And doing it in a in a timeline that was completely crazy. I mean, I I think I slept in that entire five weeks, probably the equivalent of twelve or fourteen hours, which is probably not very healthy. But it was just this crazy time, and we pulled it off. And it was such an amazing thing to to be a part of. I'm sure you enjoyed every minute of it. I did. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Knowing you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what drives you. That's what drives your passions, right? Yeah, anything that that anyone hasn't done before, that's exactly. something I would want to do. Yeah, which is why you lead in your space. So where to from here for Lana? Yeah, I think it's also a very interesting uh, question. Um, you know, I think looking at where I am in my career, I've got another eight years or so probably in a, in a corporate uh, leadership position. After which I think the the right thing for me to do is to to give back. I um, I enjoy very much working with startups, uh, particularly digital startups. I think um, you know the lessons I've learned over time, uh, the commercial side and the technical side, um, adds a lot of value to to startups. You know I've been in a few situations where 
someone has a really brilliant idea, but they have no idea how to make it work. So I think that's really where I'll add the value. Um, hopefully, I think, you know, small businesses add a lot of uh, value to our economy overall. And I think the more we can help make these businesses successful, the better we're going to do as a country. So with that said, shout out to all startups looking for some kick-ass digital leader to come help you, show you the way. There's Lana Stratum here. So Lana, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you. And you know that, you know, I am a big admirer of you and the work that you're doing in the digital marketing space. Always look to you for inspiration. Thank you so much for being here this afternoon. Thank you, Audrey. It was such a pleasure to be here. Okay. And I feel a little bit embarrassed by all the, the praise that you've given. But I am here for, for any advice going forward. No, I know that. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Future Tech invests significantly in growing women firstly within their own business with over 50% of its workforce and 60% of its leadership being female. Future Tech Media continues to empower the female youth by offering bursaries and bringing interns through its business, not only to be taught about digital, but to be work-ready in digital advertising. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and to keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. Who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.